This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. I don't think I've recorded an episode of this podcast without encouraging you to consider seeking the support of a therapist. We weren't made to do this work all on our own. In my life, I've turned to therapy for help when I've been stuck in the midst of a challenging transition or simply needing a fresh perspective. And I also know how hard it can be to find the right fit, to find someone who's affordable, or to find someone who fits into your busy schedule. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can be sure to let them know that your faith is important to you. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Best of You today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Best of You. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Best of You podcast. This is our last episode in this series on healthy boundaries for your soul. This has been such a powerful series, and I've appreciated hearing from so many of you wherever you listen, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts, how much you've gotten out of this series. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for giving me your feedback. I love creating this podcast, and I just so appreciate hearing from you and knowing that it's reaching so many people who need these resources. As we close out this series, I want to leave you feeling equipped and empowered to do good in this world and to create change in your life and relationships. And one of the most empowering emotions that we have is our experience with anger. Anger is such a valuable member of your internal family. It can alert you to danger, whether you're being mistreated by someone else or maybe you're even in physical danger. It can motivate you to take action on behalf of yourself or on behalf of an injustice that you're witnessing. It can help you point out brave truths. It's also one of our most uncomfortable emotions. It's an emotion we often fear or don't like or even exile, right? Sometimes we push it away. But if we do not befriend our anger, it will come out. It can come out as irritability, as aggression. It can come out as harsh or critical judgments toward ourselves or toward others. It can come out as cynicism or bitterness. It can come out as physical tension in our bodies. Or anger can come out sideways as passive aggression, these sort of little digs where we kind of get it out, but not really directly in a way that is healthy for our souls and for our relationships. So there's a lot to cover here with this emotion. So for today's episode, I invited my dear friend Rowena Day back on the podcast to be a conversation 
partner with me as we discuss this emotion of anger. Rowena was first on the podcast in episode 31, where she talked about being a peacemaker and how she had to learn to befriend anger as someone who really loves to keep the peace. Rowena is a writer, an artist, and a spiritual director in training. She's the mom of four children between the ages of one and eight. She and her husband live in Washington, D.C. We met over a decade ago at a spiritual listening community where we became friends and discovered each other as kindred spirits on this journey toward emotional and spiritual wholeness. And we have both worked really hard to create a healthy relationship with anger. It doesn't come naturally for either of us. We've had a lot of conversations about it over the years, and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast today. Let's dive into our conversation about anger. Welcome back to the podcast, Rowena. I'm so glad you are here today with me. Thanks for having me back, Allison. This is a really important conversation. I thought it was so interesting. And I didn't know you were going to do this in that first episode where you came on to talk about peacekeeping, where you really brought it back to this experience of anger and that the two really go hand in hand to be a more effective, more powerful peacekeeper, someone who really shows up wisely in relationships with others versus someone who just bypasses yourself in order to keep peace for others. You have to get in touch with your anger. And that really resonated with my experience of being what I would call someone who likes to please others, likes to perform for others, where I had to realize that anger sometimes felt like a disruptor in a negative way, because how can I please someone else if I'm feeling angry? And yet the reality is it actually empowers me to the higher good which isn't just to please or to perform, it's to actually create good, to create real help, to create meaningful change in the lives of other people and in my own life. So I really resonated with that, and I'm so glad we're going to talk about it today. I'd love to get started for you to just talk about how have you come to understand anger? Mm. Anger is such a powerful force, and it can create such an internal conflict. And I think this Internal conflict is not talked about a whole lot for women because I think women are socialized mostly. Maybe not every woman identifies with this, but I think it is true for a lot of women that we are socialized to see anger as all bad. And so it's very uncomfortable when we feel it in our bodies to know what to do with it. It's a hidden power and a hidden fuel, and it can lead either to destruction outwardly or inner inward disintegration or fragmentation of ourselves, or it can be a fuel that leads to greater goodness and integration, wholeness, and healing of fragmented parts of ourselves. And so I think it takes a lot of practice to figure out how to harness anger well and have a healthy self-expression of it. And so I think in our society, we probably have a sort of false dichotomy of anger, where on one side of the spectrum, you can either bypass suppress or deny your anger. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you can have like an eruption or an explosion of anger that's like a volcano that just erupts in a really destructive way. And so there's this false dichotomy where it's either I suppress it or I explode. And there's just such a range in the middle where there's healthy self-expression of anger. And this is 
really tricky to navigate when you're feeling it in your body because there's all these other emotions that entangle and wrap around it, but there really is a third option to express it in a healthy way. And you talk about this a lot, but the key is to have a lot of curiosity and compassion for these angry parts of ourselves. And we don't want to suffocate the flame of anger or stoke it so much that it's exploding into a huge fire. So I think the fire analogy is really helpful. Like a fire can produce warmth and light when it's contained, but when the fire goes out, there's no light and no warmth anymore. And then if the fire is huge, it can set off a whole forest and cause immense damage. And so having a healthy amount of anger in our lives is actually good. And it's a God-given emotion. And it's just so important that we figure out Like our minds can think one way about it and our bodies can feel a different way. Yeah, that's so true. It's so good. And because it is such a physical emotion, we feel it in our bodies. I think also that's where there's some fear with it because if and when you've, as we say, lost your temper or become angry, it's scary. It's almost like it takes over. It's an activating emotion, right? So it activates us to move and to get big and to yell, you know, do these things that can be harmful. And so it really is a process of learning how to have this grounded experience of, sometimes I use the word authoritative anger, of gravitas, of healthy sternness, because when we don't have enough, when it's too far away, We actually can become passive or feel like we're a victim of our circumstances or feel helpless. And that's not healthy. But if it becomes that volcano or if it becomes that raging, blazing fire that'll burn the forest down, we're hurting the people that we love and we're not being effective in our anger. And so I love that metaphor. I think it's really helpful. I think the trick here is to learn how to befriend our anger, to find it in our bodies so that we can lead it versus either shoving it away, exiling it to where it's not constructive to us or letting it take us over. Yeah, exactly. I love this part in Psalm 51 where it says, you desire truth in our inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. And Jesus also says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this is incredibly appealing. Who doesn't want to live with that sense of inner freedom and lightness, no matter what is happening externally or internally? And I think having a harmonious internal family system is crucial for this. And anger is a big part of that for me and for lots of other women. Learning to witness this part of ourselves and see it in front of us and bringing it to the light with other people so that truth can come to these inner parts and can be unraveled and put in its rightful place in our life instead of being exiled within us. It can so easily become a trapped emotion where you've got fear on the front end for me and then guilt on the back end, literally a sandwich with anger in the middle and literally trapped by other emotions that are terrified of feeling this feeling and then guilty for feeling it afterwards. So I think, yeah, it's incredibly important to see anger in front of us and then see the other emotions around it that are keeping it stuck and trapped. either in this kind of ping-ponging back and forth between suppressing and denying and then exploding. Yeah, or the stuck. I love how you describe that. I remember when you and I were talking about anger a little bit last summer, and you described literally that feeling of, because those parts of you that were fearful of it were trying to shut it down. Yeah. And so then there's a war inside of you, right? There's, I'm angry, but I can't be angry. Exactly. 
A recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. Getting high-quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh-generation cleaning supplies has been a game-changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high-sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash you. thrivemarket.com slash you. Yeah. You asked me a question about how anger felt in my body and I immediately felt like a lump in my throat and it was like hard to talk and hard to swallow. And it was just like, wow, this is a, like a physical barrier between my brain and my body that is just trying to keep anger from coming out. And it was just, it was so interesting how you think about anger in a certain way in your mind, but then your experience of it in your body is so telling and so important to pay attention to. And I remember that conversation, Rowena, because this parts work that we're talking about really what was going on. It was the part of you that was terrified coming up against the part of you that was really angry Mm -hmm. and both were valid. And so that was that feeling of just literal stuckness Mm -hmm. inside your body. What do I do here? I've got these two emotions and yet I need to feel a little bit angry because it's real. But the fear was just keeping you from any sort of healthy expression of the anger. Yeah. So as I think about how we learn to access that anger, I think about uh, Harriet Lerner talks about in her book, The Dance of Anger, how our families, our most intimate relationships, whether our relationships with our own parents, whether our relationships as parents, our relationships with our kids or with a spouse, that is that real crucible ironically and paradoxically, for anger, because these are the relationships we care about the most. We have the most passion. They're the most delicate. They're the most important. These are the relationships that have shaped us. These are the relationships we're keenly responsible that we are shaping. They're high stakes. And so they're the relationships where we want to be our best, calmest, wisest self, especially our relationship as parents. And yet these are also the relationships that tend to bring up these angry parts of us that 
without these people bumping into us in our space, in our day-to-day lives, we might blissfully be able to just ignore. You know, if we live by ourselves on the top of a mountain, we don't have to deal with our anger. But it's when these people come knocking and tapping and bumping into us, these angry parts of us start to come to the surface. And I'll just speak to my own experience. That's when what you're describing, that fear, anger, I'm feeling this, but I can't feel this because I cannot blow up this relationship. I'm feeling this, but I can't feel this. This isn't allowed here. That's where that real tension inside of us kicks in. And that tension that we feel when those competing emotions come up, when we have that, what we call polarizations, these polarized emotions, which you described so well, I'm angry and I'm terrified of being angry. That actually creates more tension inside of us. And that's when we're actually going to be more susceptible to going to the fault extreme or hurting ourselves by trying to exile that anger away, which was a little more my experience. You know, my experience and a lot of the women with whom I worked early on as my work as a therapist, what I would notice is when you don't access that anger in a healthy way and you really shove it aside, you end up taking it out on yourself. It comes out sideways in some way or another. You end up feeling the bitterness. You feel the resentment, but you won't put that anger on the responsible party of where it belongs. And so you just end up simmering in that stew inside of you. And then you might even end up hurting yourself in that process. And it's so hard. And I've noticed this as a therapist, when someone is so clamped down on their anger and will not let it come out inevitably, they're going to hurt themselves. And inevitably, that anger will also come out sideways. It comes out in criticism. It comes out in this sort of passive aggressive ways where we find a way to get that sort of anger out, but it's not constructive. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with anger. Yeah. Boy, parenting has taught me a lot about myself. We cannot teach maturity to our children. We need to possess it and embody it ourselves in order to give it to our children. And I think that's been one of my biggest lessons these last eight years of parenting, almost nine. Parenting revealed holes in my maturity that I didn't know existed before. Jim Wilder, who's a neurotheologian, says in his book, The Other Half of Church, that we're not responsible for holes in our immaturity, but we are responsible for repairing these holes later in life and kind of cleaning up parts of ourselves that are emotionally stuck in younger stages. Mm-hmm. And so before I became a parent, I thought of myself as an incredibly patient person. I didn't have lots of blowups and I thought I was in control of anger. The hidden message under this belief, however, is that I, yeah, I'm patient and so I can control my anger and I don't experience it. And so thinking of myself in this fixed mindset way, it sets me up for having a low tolerance or immature relationship with anger. Because when you do inevitably get angry, it challenges this idea that you have of yourself that you're patient. And so then that's when the guilt kicks in. So then you're fearful of anger and then you feel guilty for having it because you think, no, I'm a patient person. How could I have done that? And so the reality is you're not either a patient person or an angry person. A mature person must definitely have a high degree of patience, but this doesn't mean rising above anger or eradicating it from our life. 
It means skillfully using anger constructively. And so over the last years, I've been slowly growing in this and I don't claim to have arrived, but the fear, anger, guilt sandwich is not such a crippling force for me anymore. And I can have more acceptance and even sometimes approval and validation of righteous anger from my other parts. Whereas before it was like all the other parts of my internal family were saying, no, you can't come out. It is not okay to be angry. Can you give me an example, Rowena, of what that has felt like in your body Mm. and perhaps even looked like to your kids, the difference between sort of suppressing or the tension of I can't be angry to here's a healthy expression of anger. What does that look like? Give us an example. Okay. So what it feels like in my body when the anger is starting to overtake is like a rising in my heart rate and basically like a physical feeling of the lava starting to rise and about to erupt if I can't manage it effectively. And so it's a feeling of being taken over and like the pressure, there's like a pressure that mounts and builds and you feel this kind of in your blood and probably in a clenched jaw in your hands, like just like this need for anger to come out of the body in some way. But then if you haven't practiced the skills to get it out in a healthy way, then it is going to be more on the destructive side. So I love what you're saying. So you've become aware through the work of befriending your anger when you feel that rising lava. You're in the throes of parenting. And I think every parent listening can relate to what you're saying. You're in the throes of parenting before some part of you would just come in and be like, you can't feel that way, which I would guess just increases the tension. Yeah. And therefore actually makes it harder because it adds pressure. Yeah. Right. And so as you've done this work, which I know you've done so faithfully to befriend that anger and notice, oh, there's a cue. I'm feeling the rising lava. What are some strategies when you feel that? Because you don't want to hurt anybody, but you might want to do something or take on some authority or speak on behalf of what you're feeling in a healthy way. So what do you do to keep that lava from just exploding? What are some strategies that you've learned? The first step for me has been being more connected with my body and noticing what is happening in the moment and being like, okay, wow, I'm really feeling the pressure starting to rise. And so once I can name that for myself, then I have some choices. (laughs) Whereas if I don't know what's happening in my body, then I can't manage it because it is just going to come out without having that healthy sense of choice. So better I am connected to my body, then I can realize this is, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it a lot. And I need to just probably name it and be like, kids, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. And I'm just going to go take a break for a few minutes. And I've learned that splashing cold water on my face can be really helpful just to shock the body and be like, okay, you don't have to feel this like high heart rate and this pressure internally. And just having that cold sensation is a incredibly helpful. Naming it to my kids instead of trying to deny it and just being like, I'm feeling really frustrated, guys. It's a lot of work to try to navigate the role as a parent, especially when there's multiple kids. And so for me, taking a break is helpful and just realizing this is not an emergency. I can come back and deal with the situation, but first I have to deal with my own body. And I cannot impart any wise lessons to my children when I am in an activated state myself. They are certainly not going to be able to receive any helpful instruction when they are in an activated state. And so just taking away that sense of emergency, Mm. 
has been really helpful. I don't need to deal with this right in this moment. I can come back to this. So I might even just say that I'm feeling really frustrated. We're going to talk about this in like 10 minutes, but let's just have a cool off period. And that's what I try to do with my kids when they get activated with each other is just not try to fix or solve the problem in the moment, but just say, let's have a cool off period. Let's play in different areas for a little bit, but we come back to it at another moment and we discuss like how they were feeling and what was bothering them. Do my best to try not to take sides or blame or shame one kid and to really validate what each child was feeling and thinking. That just increases the anger when they sense that you're taking sides. I love this because what you're describing is this process of modeling. Just as you said, we have to model for our kids what we are able to do ourselves. And so you're modeling this idea of emotional regulation. And the only way to do that is to become aware, is to do all these things we've been talking about in this series is, oh boy, I feel that tension rising in my chest. I do myself no favors to pretend I don't. I need to get curious about it. We talk about in Boundaries for Your Soul, I need to take a U-turn which is, you know, what you're saying is I need to actually give myself a little time out. I need to go make sure that my nervous system is calming down because I'm not going to help anybody from this activated state. I'm also not shaming myself because this happens. So you're naming without shaming both to yourself and to your kids, which is modeling emotional regulation. And then you also, when your kids get activated, you're helping them realize you're experiencing anger or you're experiencing frustration. That's not bad. However, you can't take it out on your sibling. It's like the way we parent our internal family maps onto how we parent our external family, right? And everything you're saying about building trust, you might say, let's separate for a second, but you also build trust. We're going to come back. Mm -hmm. We're going to come back and reconnect when we're all a little bit calmer. I just love that example. Yeah. I've also noticed for my kids that they, their anger needs to come out of their body. They can't just be told, don't be angry. That doesn't work. Especially for two of my boys. Sometimes I say like push against me and they'll feel my force against them in, in like a friendly way, but just, it helps so much to get their anger out of their body. It's amazing what some like gentle wrestling can do for them where they feel like, okay, like I I could flush this out of my system because I could push it through my hands. Or for my six-year-old, I didn't. I thought this tip was strange at first and was skeptical that it would work, but it really does work for him. He loves to draw when he's angry and he'll draw how mad he was and he'll show me his drawing and he feels so much better and he afterwards, but he's drawing and he's just livid, just creating this hilarious angry face or something. And I find that to be such a helpful thing for some kids and shaking out hands is so helpful for me because it's got to come out of my body too. And so my three-year-old will sometimes say, mom, shake your hands. <laughs> and he, yeah, we just, we try to discuss a lot of tools for how to acknowledge the reality of anger in our household while not shaming and blaming, but not suppressing and denying and also not exploding. And so it's really just a long journey of practicing I love what you're saying. These are such practical tips. you got four kids. You've got a lot going on. And even if you have one child or even just between spouses, anger will be there. Mm -hmm. Anger will be there. So we have to get creative. And I love what you're saying. It reminds me of the C word in IFS, creativity. Okay, let's all have an angry handshake out or angry art time or whatever. You're creating a space for anger without letting it take everybody over. That's so practical and so wise. I love that, Rowena. And laughter. Laughter, I think, is the best way to get anger out of the body. This is like 
the beautiful parenting moments when you're angry, but somehow you can turn into a playful zone and it can't be done authentically every time. And so that's okay. But occasionally when you can authentically do it to create a sense of play and get people laughing, then it's like the anger just like dissipates so dramatically. And so whatever creative way you can bring in laughter, like trying to have a game where you take each other's socks off or something is hilarious and kids just love it. Or putting on a fun song and having a dance party, getting everybody outdoors and just being like, all right, let's just get outside and go run around. I am so excited about Organifi Glow. It's a delicious raspberry lemonade blend that hydrates the skin, moisturizes, and supports your body's natural collagen production and elasticity. Your best complexion starts on the inside. Drink this vegan superfood blend daily to help promote a radiant, refreshed look. Plus, it's rich in antioxidants to fight wrinkle-causing free radicals. Organifi has a ton of delicious blends you can try. Just add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy any time for more energy, nutrition, hormone balance, and peace of mind. They're a great way to jumpstart your morning, energize your afternoon, or nourish your evening in a healthy way without all the sugar. And the best part is that you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank with a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Head over to www.organifi.com slash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your entire order. That's www.organifi.com slash best of you. Great sleep is key to literally everything. It is the most important thing I do to take care of my mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Right now, Brooklinen is offering 20% off for Sleep Week. You can celebrate your space and create the interior you've been dreaming of just in time for spring. Brooklinen works directly with the best suppliers to create premium, quality, beautiful weaves and colors. And without the middleman markup, you save on quality and comfort at the same time. If it's just a little something that you want to create that special place where you can get the sleep you need, they have accessories like silky sleep masks, pillowcases, and soft throws. They just introduced new throw blanket options in cotton that are light and perfect for spring, but still keep you cozy in your snooze. Brooklinen goes above and beyond so you can wind all the way down. Visit brooklinen.com to shop the Sleep Week sale now for 20% off. If you miss the sale, you can still get $20 off your purchase of $100 with code BESTOFYOU. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, code BESTOFYOU, for $20 off your purchase today. I love what you said. You've got to get anger out of the body. And that's what starts to calm the nervous system. So often I think kids get a message like, you can only be in my presence if you are in a happy place, in a well-regulated place. And if you're not, I'm going to exile you to your room. And so I think there's nothing wrong with framing it in terms of, let's take a break. Like maybe we can just read some books for a little while. That's very different than the message of go to your room and come back when you're in a better place. The going to the room part is not necessarily a problem, but it's the way that we deliver that message that is very important for kids. It's so interesting because it makes me think about my own childhood. And you're right. And inadvertently, I don't think that parents mean to do this. But so for me, I have this memory. I I don't have a lot of memories of being angry. I've always struggled a little bit to access anger. But there was this period of time in high school where I must have been pretty angry (laughs) because I would journal. 
And I would journal so hard. First of all, I would journal like swear words, which I didn't swear in real life. It wasn't allowed. But in my journal, I would swear and I would write so hard that I would rip through the paper and it would just get it out. And it made me feel better. It reminds me of your son, like drawing the angry picture. You know, I remember just ripping through the pages in giant letters, like words that I felt that were not pleasant words. And this was probably ninth, 10th grade and it worked. And also I was by myself. Mm. I was in isolation. I mean, nobody knew that I was doing it. This wasn't said to me, but the internalized message about anger is go off and be angry by yourself. Get it all out. Yeah, that helped a little bit, but then go back out and be happy with everybody else. And that doesn't work in adult relationships. You have to be able to go somewhere between the ripping the page out of the journal because you're writing so hard to... I need to have a conversation about something that's frustrating me. You have to get from A to Z somehow. You need tools to do that. Mm -hmm. Journaling can be super effective to get that sort of ugly version out first. Yes. That you can go and do a more healthy expression of anger. So journaling can be super powerful for kind of naming and getting our anger out in front of us on a page. Exactly. So you have these tools to try to get it out, to get it out of our body so it's not just festering there or turning sideways. Again, because if we don't get it out, it will come out one way or another. We will start to get critical, again, passive aggressive, which is are these little barbs that come out sideways, resentful, all this fester. So we got to get it out. But I love what you're saying. And as you're parenting your kids and even thinking about it in our own lives, we get it out. We allow ourselves permission to get it out, maybe in some ugly ways where we don't want other people to see it. God sees it. God gets it. God's okay with it. And then we also then have to, once we've diffused it a little bit, still figure out how to go back into that relationship, whether it's a parenting relationship, a friend, a spouse, whatever, in a constructive way and have the conversation. There's two parts mm-hmm. to this anger puzzle that are really important. Yeah. I think the chapter that you have in your book, The Best of You, about noticing what longing is underneath mm-hmm. is so important. And that cannot be accessed unless you have space to be curious about your anger. But anger is a cue that there is a longing there that needs to be witnessed and to come out. That's where it's a powerful tool. And it points to something deeper that wants to be named in real life. Like I have a longing for a peaceful relationship between my kids and I feel really sad when they're fighting. And naming that with my kids can be really helpful instead of being like, I'm so mad that you guys are fighting, like naming the longing, like I really long to have a harmonious household here. Yes. I love what you're saying. Where there is that anger underneath it is a pain, Mm -hmm. I would say. And that pain might be a deep longing that we're just not seeing coming to fruition, a need, a desire. And those things are painful Mm -hmm. when we take the time to get underneath the anger. But the anger has to be heard first. Yeah. I'm so angry at him. I'm so angry at her, whatever it is. Yeah. Often for me, I think underneath anger is just a sense of being overwhelmed and longing for more support or a longing for more rest or whatever it is. And those are really important things to notice because I want to be healthy in my body and mind and soul to be able to parent my kids well. And I learned this really early on from my sister who is older than I am and has older kids. And she really recommended when I had my first child kind of to do some preventative maintenance and make sure I had some time where I was by myself and could take care of myself instead of thinking I needed to be a parent around the clock. 
clock, instead of reaching that place of burnout or utter exhaustion or fatigue, like having that sense of asking for help and getting support in whatever way you can. And so for me, that was doing some sort of babysitting swaps with a friend where we would each take care of the other's child and then we would get a morning or two off a week. And that was so critical to realize early on, I need to take care of myself because that is such an investment in my relationship with my kids. Or powerlessness is a really underlying emotion underneath yes, or state underneath anger. And so if I can identify that, yes, there are certain things that I am powerless about. I can't really control anyone other than myself. So there are certain ways that we need to accept ways where we are powerless, but then there are mm-hmm. also ways where we feel powerless, where we long for more authority or more agency or more healthy, mm-hmm. effective leadership. And so that can be really helpful to name as well. Curiosity and no shame around anger is really important. I love what you're saying about creating space for yourself to get to the root of what's really going on. And I think that can be hard as a parent. I also think it's essential. I was thinking as you were talking, Rowena, last summer, I was dealing with a lot of anger. It was related to some work stuff that wasn't going right. And I was feeling really frustrated. I was just feeling like I was sort of on my own and couldn't get the help that I needed. And in the middle of that time, my daughter who loves hiking and loves the wilderness, and she wanted me to go on a backpack with her. So we did this two-day backpack and each day was nine miles. And that whole nine miles going in, it was like the whole way down, the angry part of me, all those angry thoughts were just given an opportunity to finally be heard by me because I had nothing else to do. I wasn't suppressing them. There was no one around me to get mad at. And so I was just present to them. And it was like a tuning to all the frustration that I was feeling, all the anger that I was feeling. And then I just noticed, I was like, oh, I need to do this. And I didn't, I wasn't writing, I wasn't journaling because I was walking, but I was bookmarking. Yep, that's frustrating. Yep, yep. Pretty soon the tears started to pour. Mm -hmm. And I became aware in that process, because again, but here's the thing, I was walking. I had a backpack on my shoulder. My body was engaged. There was something physical going on that sort of created almost like the container for the anger. It was almost like the parts of me knew. And it was a really interesting experience. It almost created this safety. My body was engaged and therefore it created this safety for my mind to allow me to become consciously aware of all this frustration that had been building inside of me. It all came out. And I remember kind of releasing it into the, there were mountains all around me and it just felt like God is here. It took me that whole first day. By the second day, that next morning, I was sitting by the creek And I finally got to the root of the longing. It took me that whole day and that whole nine mile trek to let all of that volcano that had been simmering inside of me just come out, release into God's hands, honor and validate all those frustrations to the next morning where I just remember sitting by the creek and going, oh, here we are, God. This is what's really going on. I'm so disappointed. Mm. I'm so sad that this is the way this went there's peace in that, right? It's just another example of our anger needs our attention and it needs our attention in a very embodied way. Yeah. Whether it's through journaling, whether it's through walking, whether it's through moving our bodies, as you've given so many examples of. In my case, it was almost I needed to take a nine mile hike because there was that much there that I had been just shoving aside to get to the root of what's the disappointment? What's the heartache? What's the longing that's underneath it where their God finally comes in? Not that God isn't with us in the anger because he is, but when we get to the root of it and we're like, here we are, God, this is the actual thing beneath the thing that I am just so upset about. 
And it's usually a good thing. There might even be an injustice there. You can't see it and have clarity about it until you can sit with the discomfort in your body and get connected with your body and allow the anger to somehow come out through walking is an amazing way. And then once the anger is in exile, then it can flow out and then you can see the diamond that is underneath it and you have so much more clarity. And then there's a sense of maybe some action steps you can take from that place so that you can speak up on behalf of this longing. That's right. And you get to that place of surrender of here's what I do have control over. Here's how I can fight for this. I do want my kids to get along with each other. In my case, I do need more help that I'm not getting, but there's also a surrender. That's where that place of here's what I have control over. Here's God, what I don't have control over. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's not important. And you start to find that balance, that equilibrium inside your soul. Yeah. We mentioned this earlier, but this is where we have to be aware of the other emotions that are surrounding anger, whether it's anxiety about the anger, fear, guilt, shame, And those layers are almost the layers that need to be peeled away first to sort of free the anger to have some space. And so, yeah, I just encourage every woman to get curious about what for you are the emotions that might be keeping anger stuck. It's so true because on that hike, the whole first few miles were, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get it together? You know, it was all the self-shaming. And then you can't even get to the anger until you've actually gotten to all the ways we tell ourselves the guilt. I love how you call it the guilt-fear sandwich. Let's talk just a little bit as we wind down today about the role of God, about how God sees anger and how God gets angry. I know that we see anger in Jesus. We know that Jesus demonstrated anger and we know that Jesus didn't sin. And sometimes when I read the Gospels, I'm amazed at the ways in which Jesus demonstrated his frustration, demonstrated even anger we don't really hear a lot about, I feel like, from the pulpit. We tend to talk more about how Jesus was gentle, Jesus is loving, Jesus is mild, and all of those things are true. And I would say it's fair to say you can't read the Gospels without bumping into a fair amount of his anger. Yeah, this is really helpful. I'm so glad that Jesus had a right relationship with anger to kind of model that it is not all bad. It's actually really an important emotion to come out. Jesus was led by his anger in some situations. And that to me is fascinating that it was a force that led him to turn over those tables. He was so harsh with the Pharisees in a really important way, not in a bad way, just a you hypocrites. And he was angry with people who were hypocritical and who were claiming to do things for God. But then under the surface, it was all a show for themselves. I think it's so important when we think about our faith, our spirituality, that anger is a part of it, that we see anger in God. We see anger in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's really hard to understand God's anger, and we see it in Jesus's life. And I think when we get to Jesus's life, I love what you said. I'm so glad we have those examples of where he called things out, sometimes harshly. His words were not always sweet. They were not always soft. He said, you brood of viper. And not that we should go around calling people a brood of vipers, Mm -hmm. because what we know for sure is that Jesus didn't sin and that it was always righteous. And we better be very careful in how we don't want to look for a license. And again, to that spectrum, we can rationalize our judgment and our anger based on Jesus's life in a way that's very unhealthy. We better be very careful. 
And we can also exile our anger and deny or bypass other people's suffering or injustices or even our own experience of injustice in our life. Oh, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. I talk about this in The Best of You. It's a little more subversive than that. Jesus is complex. There's a lot of nuance to his anger. There's a lot of shrewdness. There's a lot of wisdom in it, and he didn't sin. And so it is a great example. I think doing a study of the anger that we see in Jesus would be a great example for us. I think one of the things I say the most often is anger as a member of our internal family, when we have a healthy relationship with it, when we befriended it, when it understands the boundary lines and it lets us lead it, not the other way around, when we are leading it in partnership with the Holy Spirit, anger is amazing. Anger can empower us to set really healthy boundaries that empower not only our own lives, but empower other people. Anger can help us fight injustices in our own lives and on behalf of other people and on behalf of wrongs we see in society. It can be the part of us that helps us speak honestly, that speaks truthfully, even when it's hard. Now, again, all of those things can get misused, but that doesn't mean there's not truth in them. Anger is a really important emotion that can help us create change in our own lives, create change in a healthy way in the lives of people we love, and create change in this world. At an Ash Wednesday service that I went to last week, there was a prayer of penitence that was sticking out to me. It said, for our unrighteous anger, bitterness, and resentment, Lord, have mercy upon us. And I just really love that it was specifying unrighteous anger and that there is therefore a righteous anger that has space in our life that God created and is good. I love that. I think it's so interesting that the Bible talks a lot about enemies and it's so easy to view enemy as an outward thing, but there's also internal enemies that we can have. And I think anger is one of the best examples of that, how we can inwardly think of our anger as an enemy. You talk about this also that we need to love our inner enemies. And that's part of the healing that Jesus creates is in learning to love the enemy of anger and befriend it, then it can be transformed into something really beautiful and powerful. This incredible book called Holy Listening by Margaret Gunther has some powerhouse quotes that I wanted to read. And she says, I am convinced that much of women's tentative speech arises from fear of her own anger, that somehow there will be terrible retribution, divine or otherwise, If she reveals herself a strong person, later she says tentativeness, a kind of clenched teeth sweet rage, which I love that phrase, may also result from a mistaken understanding of anger. Since women are socialized to believe anger itself is avoidable and wrong and that its expression is sinful. As a result, a great deal of spiritual energy goes into combating the wrong sin and the potentially constructive use of anger is neglected. The result is hurtful and destructive to the woman and to those around her. So good. I just love how she names that. And then later she says, most women are not prepared for the question, where do you hurt? Although they would expect it from a physician. Socialized to put their own wishes aside or at least disguise them, they see the question as an invitation to selfishness or self-indulgence. Instead, it is an invitation to self. Merely naming the source of hurt can expose it to light and air and thereby bring about healing. As she begins to answer the question candidly, she may reveal to her own surprise years of denial and suppressed pain. The cost of faithfulness has been high and the cost of peacekeeping, the cost of people pleasing, all of those things and how 
yeah, just important it is to notice if anger is an enemy within us and to befriend it and to realize that there is a healthy expression of it and a potentially constructive use of anger. That's right. Two things can exist side by side. It gets at that selfhood versus selfishness. And selfhood is actually having a healthy relationship with our anger, even as we also have a healthy relationship with our desire to do good, our desire to help. These two things can exist side by side. And anger is that part of us that helps us to be more assertive, that helps us to ensure that our needs are not getting sidelined. You know, it's such a powerful emotion. I'm curious, Rowena, there's so many reasons why I think as women, we fear our anger, we worry about our anger, we don't want to be angry. How do you think comparison factors into that? Yeah, I think there's a real potential for an inner critic to arise and tell ourselves that our story isn't important, that we don't have it as bad as other people, and therefore we should suppress and deny the reality of what is happening internally for us. And so I think that is just really important to name because that can be a powerful blockage that shuts down curiosity of anger and that needs to be freed up to say, yes, there are so many different kinds of pain and suffering in this world, but not to minimize what is going on for each of us. I think that's a big one for me. I think there's a part of me that can always say, I don't have it as bad as that person. Therefore, I shouldn't feel this way. Exactly. And I just I think that's so important to highlight. And it has taken me a lot of years. My spiritual director saying, what? Just because your pain is your pain. And your longings are under there. That's right. I think many of us have that refrain in their head. That person has it worse. I don't have it that bad. I should just be grateful. I don't want to be entitled. We don't want to be entitled. We don't want to think we deserve more. We want to be grateful. All of those things are good. And Mm -hmm. also, I can be grateful and frustrated with this situation. I can be content and want to see more out of my family, out of my kids, out of my relationship. I can value that person and their efforts and be disappointed that they've fallen short of what I really needed. Both things can be true. And that's the heart of anger. Anger doesn't have to tell us the whole story, but it can have a seat at the table. Yeah, It can have a seat at the table. We can sit side by side and say, yes, I'm grateful. And this is frustrating. Two things can be true. Yeah, learning to hear the shoulds that we have in our internal dialogue and also the either-or thinking. And once you can catch yourself hearing, oh, I heard I say I should, and that's a real big clue, or mm-hmm. the either-or thinking. If we can catch ourselves in the moment, it's like awareness is so key to mm-hmm. just unlocking so many things and allowing God to really transform us on the inside and bring truth to these innermost parts. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.
Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.